What is up, team? Welcome back to the Red Storm Rapid Reaction Podcast. I'm Pat Kane. Here the day after St. John's second preseason exhibition win against Southern New Hampshire. 82-41, to 41, we gave them the old double up, and uh, we cruised to another second-half blowout. Uh, so both exhibition games are done. The regular portion of meaningful games, games that count towards a record, will begin next Monday. Um, but let's discuss last night's game and a little bit overall what we've seen in these first two preseason games. Um, game against Southern New Hampshire, kind of similar to the first game. Uh, we started off slow. They battled with us. It was a close game for the first 10 or so minutes. We shared a few baskets. I thought offensively we had good flow, but shots weren't falling early. Jones missed the first two threes he got. Uh, both of them were decent looks. One was a really good look. He just missed them both. If he hits one of those two, um, it helps with the score, the score uh, disparity early on. Maybe helps us build a, an early cushion. Our shots didn't fall on the other end. So the New Hampshire hit a few threes early. They had six threes in the first half. We'll talk more about that. Um, they hit one three in the corner. Soriano was covering them. You know, we've talked about this at length, you know, at least on this podcast. I don't like seeing him guarding guys in the perimeter. Eventually, it's going to happen. He's going to get sought out. We just got to find ways to diminish those opportunities and to limit those chances uh, because, you know, we're seeing it early on here. We saw it in the Dominican Republic. We're going to see it again and again. Guys are going to try to space the court and then force him to guard on the perimeter. One of those threes Southern New Hampshire hit early was just that. Uh, there's another three where Posh over um, aggressively closed out and blew, blew by the shooter. He sidestepped and hit a three. Uh, I mentioned after the first game, we were lackadaisical on some closeouts. I'd rather, in this case, obviously, happy medium's got to be found, but I'd rather see us over aggressive on the closeouts, seeing how poorly we, we do defend the three, um, force them to either drive. In this case, they were able to sidestep and still hit a three. Um, but it was an over-aggressive closeout. At least he tried. The effort was there. And then the guy was able to make a nice play and hit a shot. There was a couple threes that were decent looks. There were a couple of threes they hit that were well contested. They did have that one at the end of the buzzer. Um, you know, that's a running three shot uh, end of the half. You don't want to foul a guy. So you kind of, you know, pigeonhole and how you can defend them. We did give up the sideline. They did hit a shot. I'm not trying to say we defended it extremely well because we gave up three points. But you do kind of have to tip your cap on a situation like that. Uh, tough shot, but was contested. He hit the three. If he would have fouled him and stopped the three, we would have been yelling, how the heck do you foul a guy with a couple seconds left in the half uh, to put him at the line with the clock stopped? So that's just one of those things where you got to tip your cap. A, a shot went in. But I do want to discuss the six threes they hit overall. So we gave up 26 points in the first half. We were up 35 to 26. 18 of those points came off threes, like I discussed. A few of them were well guarded. A few of them could have been avoided. But a team goes 6 for 18. They're looking to get shots because we were limiting their looks inside. We did a really good job, I thought, intensity-wise playing defense. The 6 threes is a high number for a half. But when you look at overall, we weren't giving them anything inside the arc. So they had to take threes. A lot of them were well guarded. The few that weren't guarded, they did capitalize on. And a few others that were guarded, they were able to hit. It's just one of those things that's going to sway back and forth each game. But the intensity was there. I thought we made a concerted effort to guard well in the half court in the first half. If two of those threes don't drop, the one at the buzzer, one of those ones that are well contested, you're looking at a four for 18 performance from three. Of course, it could go the other way where they're eight for 18. If a couple of those better contested shots end up dropping, you know, that's just basketball. I just want to point out it wasn't a terrible defensive display on the perimeter in the first half, even though we gave up six threes. Um, 
One thing I did want to point in the first half, uh, Stanley, who's been playing great so far up until, you know, I don't think he had a terrible game today. He didn't score much. He didn't wasn't too productive, only played 16 or so minutes. That first three he took, I don't hate the fact that he wants to see what he's got from there. I wish he would have waited to pick his spot better at a, a more opportune time, maybe more time on the shot clock, better rhythm. That one looked like he had predetermined the, the play before. Next time I catch the ball in the perimeter, I'm going to try hitting one from three. And he airballed that one. And because, and you know, this is me uh, guessing here, but the next play down, I think the plays are connected. He rushed it, tried to force a shot inside, ended up picking up a charge when I think he had a guy open on the sideline or, or could have took his time a little bit more. But um, perhaps the play before where he frustrated, airballed three attempts, tried to force something to make something happen on the offense in the next play, ended up being too aggressive there, turned it over on a charge. Um, he did have some good spots defensively throughout the game, was active rebounding. He's a really good, um, in terms of what we ask perimeter defenders to do as bigs, he's really good at it. I, I think he's going to have you know a cemented role as a, a big guy in the rotation. That's a, probably a surprise to no one at this point, but we still have to see what happens when Enway comes back or Nyway comes back. And Kata did have some decent moments again tonight, uh, yet to be determined how he'll do against Division One bigs. But 35-26 uh, at the end of the half, we didn't do anything particularly well. I thought Curbelo made some nice plays happen. He kind of was the uh, energizer bunny. Helped us pick up a couple of seven, eight point leads and then coast to that. Um, you know, we ended up, ended up being up at nine. It was 12 points before that three. But we kept them at that 10 point uh, bay for the most part in the second half of the first half. And I thought Corbello did a good job getting us that lead and helping us maintain that. He found Mathis twice for open threes. Mathis in these two games has really done a good job picking his spots on the perimeter threes. They've all been off catch and shoot situations. Nothing too, off, too much off the dribble or him trying to create for himself. And he's made um, a fair share. I think he had three tonight, and he might add two in game one. Um, but if he's picking his spots offensively, we're doing a good job setting him up with passes from inside out. I think he can, you know, at least be respectable, a guy they have to somewhat close out on. But once he starts trying to create for himself, I think that's when he gets into trouble. He doesn't, uh, similar to around the rim, he does a great job finishing off dives or putbacks or. Uh, uh, give out and goes where he can catch it on the run on the perimeter and finish him, or on the break and finish himself. But when he's creating from the perimeter on drives of his own, he's not as well adapted at finishing around the rim. He's a hell of an athlete and he is our best perimeter defender. Um, in the second half, uh, we we turn it up a, a notch defensively. They only went one for three or one for eleven from three in the second half, as opposed to like I said, six for eighteen in the first half. So we put the clamps on there. I love the intensity, even on the full court side of defensive uh, defensive things. We showed a couple of new things. We we in, implemented a one-two-two full court press. In the first game, we saw a two-two-one full court press and some man full court press. We saw one-two-two full court press this time with just one defender out front. And the first time I saw it, we got a ten. We forced a ten-second backcourt violation. We actually forced two of those throughout the game. I think it was a little different defensive set the second time, but nonetheless, the defensive pressure uh, was proving to have some success against these lesser teams. Of course, it's up uh, to be determined how well that does against uh, better competition. But you could make the point, both examples of these two games, uh, Southern New Hampshire and um, Adelphi were able to hit some shots early, first 10 or so minutes of the game, hang around off the basis of making a few threes, um, and we didn't come out to roaring starts offensively. But the cumulative effect of our athleticism and our depth and our full court defense really did have an effect on both these teams, again, Division Two opponents, as the game went on. Um, 
So it worked well in these preseason games. Will it work as well against better competition? That's the, the question. And it seems like we're going to give it a full effort in terms of implementing it, going for it this year with the depth we have. Uh, it's worth noting we didn't see Store or Pinzone in this game. Uh, I don't know the exact story there, unfortunately. I, I wish we would have got a chance to see Store especially play another game, get more comfortable, and Pinzone. He's another guy who needs to get as many reps as possible. But... Um, one thing I will say about this game, we, we do pass the ball well. Uh, Corbello, five assists to no turnovers. Uh, there was one assist, or one pass he had in the first half, a nice pass to Soriano, hit him in the face. I mean, if it hits your face, you should be able to get a hand on it, right? Soriano, especially a pass, I think it was from above the free throw line to around the block. So it wasn't like a two-foot pass. It had some time to get there. It was a bullet pass. Soriano even himself admitted he should have caught it. But there was a few cases throughout the game where we had some good layoffs from dishes inside the paint and we just didn't finish. I know Soriano missed a couple. Stanley missed one. Uh, there was a couple other examples. Wasu might have missed one. Again, his woes continue inside the paint. He did hit some threes today, three on the game, so that was a good sign. But um, our assist numbers might have been hurt by the fact we had some good passes that didn't, um, you know, that would usually equate to assists, but we missed some bunnies. And that is something that we need to sure up going forward. Jones has struggled so far shooting from the perimeter. I thought in the second half he had a more concerted effort of driving on his um, giving up, not settling for threes and driving, looking for himself to finish or for drop-offs. He had a couple um, good passes himself. He had a, a nice, real, uh, nice solid dish to Mathis in the corner for three. I think Mathis missed that one, but there was a few examples of times where we got the ball inside, defense collapsed, and we were able to find open shooters on the perimeter. One time, um, Soriano to King, and another time, Traore to Wasu, inside out. Good looks from three. We, we are really looking to get the ball to Soriano inside. I've noticed we do a good job of spacing out these first two games, you know, creating space by having guys outside the perimeter um, and letting him go to work. Problem is we don't draw so much attention from those, those defenders as spot-up shooters, so we need to perhaps utilize some cuts. We were a very good cutting team last year. I think that's something that we'll be able to utilize as this year goes on, so I'm not worried about it. I'm sure we'll see it. There already were some examples. Posh had that beautiful cut when uh, Pinzone found him on that drive. I think if there's one real thing you can take from these two games in terms of personnel-wise, good or bad, um, and, and there's been plenty of good. It's not like I'm, I'm saying there's nothing you can take positively, but one thing I, I really can say I was happy to see and can use it as something to look forward to the rest of the season is Curbelo getting comfortable these first two games. I think if you were to take a poll, you know, after the, the Dominican trip compared to a poll now, where he fits, how he fits, how he'll be utilized, how comfortable he is in a role, I think he'd fare much better now. And of course, that's just fans talking. We're just fans, right? But uh, I think the perception is he looked so much more comfortable these two games. He was able to score for himself, set people up, make plays defensively, and kind of find his role a little bit more, get comfortable playing alongside Posh without Posh. Um, seems like he's willing to come off the bench, which can be a great spark plug. It can help us balance out those two waves of teams and keep those guards fresh. So it was a really good sign to see Corbello have another good game. I like his defensive intensity out front. Um, it is does seemingly does seemingly pro project for us to have two guards, both him and Posh, who prefer the mid-range jump shot, and that hasn't been a recipe for success in basketball these past few years. I do think it's a bit overblown that the mid-range shot can't be one with. I do think it can't be your first look. So we'll see how that plays out. But Carbello's shot from mid-range looks good. He's got good form from, you know, 15 to 16 feet. He's got good elevation, and he keeps the defense honest by being a drive, uh, being a driving threat as well. Um, 
What else? What else? Uh, let's just look at the box score overall. Um, Soriano, 14 points, eight rebounds. He He's one of our best offensive players, 100%. You know, I'm not saying anything earth-shattering there. We need him to produce on the offensive end. Double-digit points, I think he's got to average at least double-digit points. If he averages less than 10 points, I think it's going to mean we're, we're – we're lacking interior scoring, and this team's going to have to score on the inside. And he's going to be a presence. If he's healthy, he's got to give us double-digit scoring points, and I think the rebounds will come. I do think he needs to concentrate a little bit more on boxing out. He relies too much on being the biggest guy out there. He'll just try to hunt the ball, doesn't put a body on guys always. And if he were to really, really clear guys out with his size, he could be an absolute monster on the boards. I do think they will happen to come, you know, regardless. He's going to gobble up a handful of boards. So double-digit points, seven or seven or eight boards a game. Um, and stay healthy, stay energized, be a presence, and don't get killed defensively. And we'll have the best big men we've had in 10-plus years. All right, we probably already do. Um, Mathis, like I said, these two games have been great for him. He really has picked his spots. He had 13 points, two rebounds, three assists, no turnovers, a steal, played good defense, hit his shots, was aggressive when he, when he had to be, was passive when it was best for him to be. Really good stuff, really promising. I know he came out of the gates really well last year in the preseason and they had a conference games. Didn't translate as much in the Big East, but he was, for the most part, one of our five or six best players for the whole year last season. And I've been one of his biggest doubters, biggest, you know, I don't know if you want to call him haters, but he's not, you know, his game isn't my preference for a wing. I like guys who could shoot a little bit better, but when he's hitting shots, I've said it again, he's he's very valuable. Hopefully it carries over to the real games. Um, Jones, if there's one thing about these two games you could say it was worrisome, it would be maybe him as a scorer. He hasn't finished well. He hasn't shot well. Um, the you know he hit that one three when it was meant to be an alley oop pass, and I think he might have hit two other threes on consecutive possessions last game. Other than that, he's missed a handful. He was zero for six from three today. Like I said, it was good to see him change up his approach and start to attack more in the second half. But still, you want to see some shots drop. We're gonna to have to spread the court. We're gonna to have to space the floor the floor out. And Mathis isn't gonna probably be an above 40% three-point shooter for the year, right? We can almost guarantee that. So what we saw these two games from him, we're not we're gonna to have to replace with some shooters um, as the game as the season's season goes on. But he had eight points. Again, he was aggressive on the glass. That's good to see. We're gonna need he had eight rebounds, two assists, a couple of the nice passes. Um, Stanley only had three points, he did have a nice finish. He had those two mishaps I said early on in the first half, um, airballed the shot and, and committed a charge on a, on a reckless drive. But he was aggressive on D, he was active inside, helped on the boards, pretty good game overall. He's not going to always be a, a big scorer. Uh, Wusu, 11 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists. Um, a good game overall, solid contributions across the board. He did have some mishaps, he airballed the three. Um, he... Uh, continues to struggle around the rim. He doesn't get the benefit of foul calls because he's such a big guard, I think. Uh, but he gets his shot denied or altered often, and he's, he's got the the you know the yips around the rim. But three-point shot, hit three tonight. He will have to hit those as the season goes on. I think that's a good sign. I think he's still getting used to playing more off the ball along with two other guards. But a good sign from him um, hitting some shots. 
King, Kobe King. And I apologize. I don't think I mentioned Kobe King in the first game. It's probably because I just assume he's going to be the odd man out with the guards we have on this roster and the size he is. Um, but he does not look intimidated whatsoever. He looks like perhaps the best athlete on the team pound for pound within tight spots in the court. He's really good. He's agile. He can get off his shot. He can attack the glass. He had seven boards tonight. I think he led the team in defensive rebounds, which is impressive for a guy his size. Um, he can jump out of the gym. His offensive jumper isn't, you know, a sure thing right now, but he looks comfortable and willing to take it. I think he'll be a scoring player as he progresses throughout his career. Um, it'll be interesting to see what role he gets defensively. They raved about him. I said prior to the season on uh, the Eye of the Storm podcast. Check that out with Dave. Uh, I'm sure you guys are followers followers of his, but he had me on to talk the preseason, and I mentioned you know a, a Jonathan McGriff type role for him this year, energizer off the bench, defensive pest, and just helping you know spell some minutes in the backcourt seems like a, a doable role for him and one that I'd like to see perhaps some more offensive potential as well. But a piece moving forward, for sure. A guy I'm happy we got. And, you know, we'll wait and see what happens with guys like Posh and Corbello, how many seasons they stay in college. But having him in the system waiting behind those guys is a good thing to have. Hopefully he, he does plan on putting in the work and, you know, getting the minutes he can and then, you know, pr progressing and, and parlaying that into more minutes in the future at St. John's. We had six guys in double figures. I think we had six guys in double figures in game one as well. So the scoring has been spread out. That is one of my biggest worries, you know, heading into this year is the ability to get buckets when the game slows down and we're in the half court. I think Curbelo helps in that, you know, running some offensive set, uh, offensive sets. I think Jones helps in the fact that he is a guy who thinks of himself, and I think he is a scoring player, a guy who may, whose best attribute on offense might be to get a basket. Uh, we don't have many guys whose their best skill is scoring. I think that's Storr. I think that might be Jones. And I think perhaps Soriano. But that's in a different sense. you got to set him up. Um, Posh can score, but I don't think that's his primary skill. Um, Usu can hit some threes. Uh, Mathis, I don't think scoring is his primary skill whatsoever. Wusu, scoring is not his primary skill. Pinzone, scoring, I don't think that's his primary skill. Corbello, not his primary skill. We don't have natural scores. We got a good bunch of good ball players. A bunch of guys can do a bunch of things. A bunch of guys can hit some shots. But when it comes to like what their best thing on the court is, we don't have many natural scores. And this has been said by fans all throughout the offseason, by pundits, by media, all around. How are we going to be able to replace Champagny scoring, Wheeler scoring, and then score when we have to when the game slows down? Um, and we were able to score points these two games, but a lot of it came in transition. A lot of it came in, you know, um, five-minute stretches where we looked really good and the momentum was carrying us to some good shots. But unfortunately, you know, because of playing these two games where we had huge leads in the second half, we didn't see any tight situations, any time where, you know, the clock might uh, really tighten up and the game is all about the, the, uh, the situation at hand. And the team might... Um, force you to play half court for a few possessions and you really got to work the clock and get a good look and then the other end get stops so it's hard to take too much away from these first two games we'll learn a lot more when this team gets tested and challenged hopefully we can learn those um, learn from wins as opposed to early season losses that could be crushing to our late season chances but I'm looking forward to it 100% I think we're in a good spot um, obviously there's some stuff going on with recruiting right now that you know, might sour some guys in the season. I say that's crap. Obviously, I want kids to come here. I want stars to come here. But I'm not going to let any type of recruiting speculation 
uh, dwindle my excitement for this season, a potential NCAA tournament season. All right, you, you recruit to have this chance, to have a season ahead of you where you, you have a potential NCAA tournament team. Okay, so this is what we play for, the games. The recruiting um, is the lifeblood. It's important. It gets me excited. I follow it completely. But I, what might happen to a recruit that's coming next year who I fully hope comes to St. John's is not going to affect my thoughts or my you know, expectations for this season. And I wouldn't want to, you know, make a rash decision about doing something with the staff or the coach because a potential recruit might change his mind right before this season starts. That's what's more important, this season. And we got a good team and a good chance to, to make some noise this year. But uh, thanks, guys, for tuning in. Thank you guys for subscribing to the YouTube channel. I got a, a bunch more subscribers since last time. Try to get up to 50. I know that's embarrassing to say aloud. You know, I'm begging for 50 people to subscribe, me, subscribe to me on YouTube, but I do appreciate it. Uh, anyone who can, please subscribe. Please follow on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Please keep tuning in. Let me know what you think in the comments. Um, for Marcus Hatton, this has been Pat Kane. Peace.